does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. From PhiladelphiaEagles.com, Dave Spadaro, who covers the Eagles, is taking some time with us after Shane Steichen was introduced as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. Dave, it's Brendan. Good to have you. I guess the first question for you is, how much sleep have you gotten over the last week? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's a, it's a grind for sure and uh, a disappointment. But, you know, you wake up and you go, oh, my gosh, the Eagles just lost two defensive uh, two coordinators. So there's work to be done. It, it's um. It's great work. It's fun work. Disappointing the Eagles lost on Sunday. But, uh, you know, when you have a really great young quarterback, you, you wake up with optimism. Well, we appreciate your insight. First of all, Shane Steichen introduced as the head coach of the Colts. Just in general terms, Dave, what is Indianapolis getting in Shane Steichen? You're getting a guy who's really, really creative offensively, who's very organized, um, who delivers a great message to the team, um, and who's, who helped build Jalen Hurts into what he is. And has certainly has experience around the league. I'm not sure that if you're looking for somebody to be bombastic with the media, change your guy. So don't expect that. Um, he's very measured in that capacity. At least he was as an offensive coordinator. I realize you have to change when you become the head coach. Um, I like Shane a lot. I've gotten to know him very well and extremely impressed with what he did with his Eagles offense. He walked into our preseason broadcast team meeting uh, way back when, seems like forever ago, and said, you know, the goal this year is to be a pick-your-poison kind of offense, and that's exactly what the Eagles were. It'll take a while for Indianapolis to get to that point. Obviously, the personnel here, certainly advantageous, strong offensive line, really good receivers, deep backfield, and a quarterback. Um, so it'll take a while, but you know that is the goal for the Indianapolis Colts in the mind of Shane, Shane Steichen, to be able to you know, dictate to defenses in every way possible. Joined now by Dave Spadaro of PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Dave, I'm curious. I'm, I assume you were able to watch his, his opening presser yesterday, and if that was the case, what stood out to you? Did anything surprise you or the message that he was conveying to Colts fans for the first time? Yeah, honestly, I didn't watch it. I apologize. I, um, you know, we The day after for the Eagles was clean up a locker day, and so it was pretty busy here. I did not get to see Shane. Um, I saw the pictures, you know, so I'm walking out, posed for the camera with the – Five o'clock shadow. Uh, he, he needs to clean that up a little bit. But um, uh, no, I didn't see. I didn't. I don't know the message, and I, I can't even imagine with working on zero sleep. What, what was it like? That was that was the thing I w- we were talking about earlier. Just the fact that in the biggest moment of your life, you're trying to not only prepare for potentially what's next with this job, Dave, but also prepare the team you've been working with for the last couple of seasons. The managing of time has something that you know a. a Someone in that spot previously obviously has had to handle he has, and then now coming to the the Colts and his first couple of tasks, there's so much on his plate. I think number one obviously becomes the quarterback. What have you seen from him in terms of you know grooming quarterbacks in, a, in his development with both Jalen Hurts and that offense? What stands out to you about what those players have talked about from him? Yeah, you want to play to the strengths of what you have, the personnel that you have. So, you know, the first step for Shane, obviously, is to learn his personnel and in a very short period of time. Now, there's going to be some uh, learning curve needed here in a lot of different ways. You don't have the quarterback yet. Um, I know you have pieces certainly along the offensive line. The play there is vital. I'm sure that Shane will be one of those coaches who wants to build from the line of scrimmage out. That's the ideal game plan. That's what the Eagles have been doing for many years here. Uh, and then he'll address the quarterback position. So 
but look, he's he really, really worked with, with Jalen Hurts. I mean, after Jalen, those first four games he started back in 2020, you saw some of the promise. But over the course of time with Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen here, you saw every part of his game really refined and hung in the pocket longer, um, took coaching extremely well, corrected mistakes, um, went to reads two and three, wasn't as willing as he was obviously as a rookie to pull it down and run after the first read wasn't open. So it is a it is a gradual process. Shane is a painstakingly you know uh, step by step guy, very meticulous in his preparation. Um, obviously manages time well. I thought he set up the play calling extremely well. Midway through 2020, Sirianni turned the play calling over to Shane Steichen, so he's got experience there. thought he did a terrific job with the Eagles. I mean, the only time the Eagles ever really stopped were stopped offensively this year is when they turned the football over. And, and that only happened in a couple of games. So he demands consistency. He demands excellence, precision, dedication. Um, and, and Jalen Hurts was the perfect quarterback for that. Dave, how aggressive of a play caller did Shane Steichen become over his time calling plays with the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles were really prolific offensively. And, and, and again, they were able to see what the defense was trying to do to them and beat them in other ways and really just take it to every single defense this year. Um, and he set up plays very well. And, and it wasn't trickery. It was very fundamental good football. I think that's one of the things that he'll stress early on with the Colts. It's, it's really, it really is very important to be a fundamentally sound team as the Eagles have become under Nick Sirianni and, and with the guidance offensively of Shane Steichen. Talking with Dave Spadaro of PhiladelphiaEagles.com. What was this process like internally or really from, from the Eagles' standpoint of seeing you know, their key coordinators – involved and active and pursuing these other jobs what were the players very uh, you know looking forward to see those guys get an opportunity although it obviously creates this holes for a team that's really going to try to come back and get right back to the Super Bowl yeah I think Jalen just you know expressed it really succinctly yesterday he was happy for Shane and you know Shane will do a good job with the Colts you're, you're you want people to have opportunities to thrive and to blossom and to grow and and Shane's getting his chance Jonathan's getting his chance in in Arizona and and that is the the price you pay as an organization for success and you anticipate these things and I've always kind of described Howie Roseman the general manager here as somebody who has one eye on the future one eye on the present and you have to operate that way in the NFL everybody anticipated that Shane would get a lot of attention uh, clearly with the offense that the Eagles have had these last couple of seasons. Look, last year they led the league in 2021. They led the league in rushing. They they changed midstream. They changed in the middle of the season. It became and they played to the strength of the football team as Jalen was developing, as the team was you know becoming a more prolific team on the outside. And certainly the addition of AJ Brown helped that. The Eagles did what worked, and and that was lean on the offensive line, run the football and have success that way. Don't turn the football over. And those are going to be hallmarks of what the Indianapolis Colts are going to do with Jonathan Taylor there, with pieces at the offensive line that are very good. I mean, you you have a a really good foundation in place. Shane will get the quarterback and work with the quarterback and develop that young man. And the Colts will be off in in passing, running, doing what they will. I, I just, I think the world of Shane, I think everybody here does. And we're all really happy for him. At the same time now, the Eagles 
understandably know they need to replace Shane and Jonathan. That is, again, what happens when you become a really good football team. Shane Steikens, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, talking about it with us. Dave Spadaro from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Dave, I, I think a lot of people around here are sort of looking at the ironic thing that the Colts fired Frank Reich to hire the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, and they're kind of doing the same thing over again. I, I know you've been on the Eagles beat for a long time, covering a couple Super Bowls. Of course, the last one, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator. So Shane Steichen coming here to Indianapolis. Do you see any similarities between Reich and Steichen, either of how they operate as play callers or even of what they do on a daily basis and how they speak? You know, I, I also have the, the world of respect for Frank Reich, and I can't tell you, I don't know, I'm not familiar with what happened in Indianapolis um, again, it kind of traces back to the quarterback, right? Like if you, and coaches always talk about it, you can be the greatest coach in the world. If you don't have the players, it's really hard to have success. So clearly the Colts didn't find that uh, they had the answer at the quarterback position and, and, and Frank paid the price for that. And yeah, I'm not sure if I really see a ton of familiarity with them. I, uh, similarities between Frank and, and, and Shane. I mean, it's a different, it's, it's different. The Eagles are running a different offense here than what right. they ran with Doug Peterson and Frank that, um, a di- different kind of quarterback, you know. Uh, this is a very dynamic quarterback who, uh, who who can who wins with his legs, who wins with his arm. The Eagles didn't really do that as much, obviously, with Nick Foles and early on with Carson a little bit. But the, the Carson Wentz now is a, a, clearly a different quarterback than he was in early 2017 before he was hurt. So I, I but I think that I think that Shane has shown how adaptable he can be, and Frank has shown throughout his career how adaptable he can be. So. Uh, I think there, in that sense, there's similarities in the way they prepare. Similar, the, the success they've had clearly very similar. And um, you know, they're they're both grinders and they both love the game. And and heck, they're both head coaches now. So, but I but again, until look, it, Shane is a great coach. But until you get a quarterback, it's going to be really hard for him to have success. And hopefully, for the fans of the Indianapolis Colts and for the success of Shane Steichen, uh, he will he will have that he will have that success with a coach in the draft or in free agency or whatever you guys decide to do. David may be a little bit too early, but I am curious. We see so much in sports, but really in life, it's a relationship business. I'm curious, is there any obvious friendships, connections that Shane Steichen had on that staff that maybe he would consider to bring with him? Yeah, that's the question. I don't, I don't, I haven't heard anything internally about that. I don't know what his plan is in terms of, the coaching staff that he presented to Mr. Ursay. So, uh, but nothing that I know of internally. And uh, the Eagles um, have some really young coaches that they value very much. That uh, as Shane leaves, and you know, the possibility of people getting promoted internally is very real. So, uh, but yeah, there's some very talented young coaches here who I'm sure would would do a great job with Shane. But I'm I'm sure also the Eagles want to do everything they can to keep them here. But I've not heard anything that would be uh, uh, newsworthy to to pass along that of who Shane might bring along either from his connections in Philly or, or from around the league where he's, where he's been previous stops. Dave, looking outside of the quarterback position, other than Jalen Hurts, can you think of a position group with Philly, with Shane Steichen as the offensive coordinator that really, really developed positively under his direction? Yeah, yeah I would tell you the running backs. I mean, um, Miles Sanders was an inconsistent running back um, in his first couple of years here. Um, certainly the last two years, he's been outstanding, made the Pro Bowl this year. They've developed depth. They brought along a mid-round draft, a late-round draft that Kenny Gainwell from the 2021 draft, a very, very valuable contributor. Boston Scott, they brought him along uh, as a, and really utilized him to the maximum capacity of, of his ability. So 
I think Shane does a great job with that. Um, developing running backs are, are listen the eagles wide receivers were terrific tight end outstanding i mean he shane involved everybody in the offense everybody thrived under shane steichen and um and look you guys have a dynamic top of the class running back in, in jonathan taylor there so you're off to a good start there and expect shane to use him in in the very most beneficial ways for the colts offense Dave, last thing, going back to the Super Bowl, I really have not had a very good explanation of what in the world was going on with the grass. Uh, what was your understanding of the playing surface and what the hell was going on? Yeah, I mean, I only know what the players said, and, and it was, it was. I think Jordan Mailata said it was like playing on a skating rink. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of, a lot, I mean, look, we got a kickoff, or a place kicker slipped. I mean, it was, it was everyone, and so... It, and it wasn't that way. I don't recall it being like that early in the season when the Eagles played the Cardinals. Um, but you know they tray in that 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 field every game, and and for both teams it was it was not an ideal playing surface, and it really marred the Super Bowl. And I think you know that's something the NFL needs to look into. That's something that should not happen. You should play in maximum playing conditions um, in the penultimate game of the season, and, and the field clearly was not at that level. And the last thing, Dave, just on the Eagles front, losing both coordinators, I mean, that is never easy for a football team, especially a team that just went to a Super Bowl. Uh, Jonathan Gannon going to the Cardinals. Where do you see Nick Sirianni going from here? Could Brian Johnson, the QB coach, be in line for the offensive coordinator possibly? Absolutely as a candidate. There's there's internal candidates on defense as well. And again, the Eagles anticipated this happening, and it is a really crucial point that you see around the league and that I've experienced here in Philadelphia, that your coaching staff gets rated. You have to think proactively. You have to have a very strong list and, you know, you have to act relatively quickly here. I mean, the combines in a couple of weeks, the free agency starts in a month. Um, You know, the NFL draft is six weeks after that. So it is coming very quickly. I know Howie Roseman is already uh, with with that and with free agency and Eagles have two first round draft picks. I mean, there is a lot happening with the Philadelphia Eagles now. So again, they anticipated it. They've got a strong internal cast of candidates. Uh, I'm sure they'll look outside that internal list as well. But I feel very confident that Howie and Nick will put together a great coaching staff. Um, there are a lot of excellent, excellent young coaches here. Dave Spadaro covers the Eagles for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He's been on that beat for a long, long time. Dave, we appreciate your insight on Shane Steichen, the new head man of the Colts, and appreciate the time today. Hey, thanks very much, guys. And I really do think Shane will do a great job, but you got to get the quarterback first. <laughs> we, we have been understanding that for a number of years now. We'll see what happens, right. Dave. Thank you. Okay, thank you, guys. Dave Spadaro with us on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's go right to the hotline here. Last hour, we talked with Dave Spadaro of PhiladelphiaEagles.com, providing a Eagles perspective on Shane Steichen, the new Colts head coach. Now let's come back here to Indianapolis, joined with the Indianapolis Star Colts beat writer Nate Atkins joining us here. And uh, Nate, I'm just curious, uh, yesterday had to be a jam-packed day for you, meeting the new head coach and hearing what he had, hearing his vision about what's upcoming. What was your initial takeaway and impressions about Shane Steichen? Yeah, I thought Shane Steichen came in and kind of struck a balance. Of, it was a little bit more low-key than most of these that I've covered. This is the third time I've done this 
they've uh, kind of brought in a season a coach in the offseason for the Bears, the Lions, or the Colts. And uh, they, there's usually a little bit more pomp and circumstance. But this one, is, it was a bit of a rushed hire coming off of the Super Bowl. Uh, stepping, you know, he's stepping right into it. And I just think there's a, you know, the, it, it kind of underscored a little bit just more of a reserved approach to starting this out as he's a first-time head coach. Uh, first time, really, he, just, he hadn't really gone through the interview process a lot for these. He was candidate briefly in Carolina before uh, bowing out of that one and then uh, then got deep within this one and ended up being the guy. So I think he's coming in sort of with uh, you know excitement for the opportunity, but there's just so much to iron out as far as like, you know, who the quarterback's going to be and how that's going to drive everything for this franchise. And it's ultimately it's a key part of why he's here. And I think we got to see some of that uh, approach come out. But it was also a guy I think was just um, just kind of playing it low-key for his first introduction with us, which is uh, not a problem after a pretty noisy past year or so. Nate, it's Brendan Difference in morale from mid-season Jeff Saturday press conference to yesterday's press conference. Oh, yeah, like night and day. It feels like a a franchise that got serious again. Uh, It was was a strange strange season when they go from uh, benching Matt Ryan to firing Frank Reich to bringing in, you know, a guy who had not coached above the high school level. And uh, just sort of the way that they packaged the whole thing, I think, was really what caught people off guard last season, kind of promising or at least – uh, wishful thinking that, that Jeff Saturday could be a long-term fix and maybe even an all-time great uh, was just sort of the way they pitched it in that Monday night presser. So that's kind of what I'm getting at with this one. There just was a much sort of more reserved approach to it. There's not not talk about, you know, legendary status or, uh, or hinting at really anything other than this is the guy we think right now is uh, the leader for us to try and fix a lot of that and get back to being just more of a serious franchise. For a long time, this is a franchise that, uh, that you know that did it the right way. That uh, that was considered stable. Ownership stayed out of uh, the decisions of the general manager and the coach, and it was a place a lot of people loved working. And got away from it for about uh, about you know three or four months in there. But uh, it seems like yesterday was a nice step in the right direction of getting that back on track. Joined with Nate Atkins of the Indianapolis Star Colts beat reporter. And to that point, Nate, I'm curious does that does that provide some further proof that now maybe Chris Ballard's empowered a little bit to do his job again? Because from afar, it certainly seemed like you know you know that was all Ursay's last couple of decisions, whether it was benching the quarterbacks and going to Ursay. You can't have a GM and then not allow him to do his job. Yeah, that was the big question we had at the end of the year was if Chris Bauer was going to be back, would he be able to have say over these big decisions coming up, head coach and quarterback? And so far, so good on that front. I know he was he ran pretty much the entire search from uh, the opening list of candidates to, uh, you know, pairing that down to the finalists that they were going to have meet with Jim Irsay in the second round. And I know he was very high on Shane Steichen. I think they both were. That's where this became a fit was that there wasn't a lot of uh, disagreement in the end once they talked through what they were looking for and just some of the notes that Shane was able to hit on in the interview, but also show uh, as an offensive coordinator with the Eagles and then the Super Bowl. But absolutely, Chris Ballard, I mean, he's always hired this type of coach, this uh, uh, this offensive mind. This, he's always gone after that, whether that was trying to get Bruce Arians in Chicago or Josh McDaniels before he backed out, or Frank Reich, and now Shane Steichen. So this is Chris Ballard's type of coach, and he was able to get him. And that's that's where this thing feels like there's more alignment than maybe we felt in a few months. 
Hey, Nate, two-part question here. I'll start by asking you this because we've talked about a lot today that you know hiring the coach is great, but it's a rather small step in the process of getting back to relevancy because you need to get the quarterback right if this is even going to have a lick of working. So how much do you think Shane Steichen uh, of a role he's going to have in helping select who they're going to draft probably come April? Yeah, he's going to have a role. It's hard to say uh, how much more it would be than a normal coach. I mean, they hired him in part because he works so well with quarterbacks. That's just a slice of it, though. They really liked uh, just sort of the overall offensive philosophy and uh, his ability to connect with certain staffers that they have and staffers that they liked, the idea of the the group he'd put together. But certainly the best trait that he's put out there was his ability to build an offense for Justin Herbert and build one for Jalen Hurts. And he was uh, part of, you know, part of drafting Justin Herbert, you know, as the second quarterback off the board. And that one, you know, ended up working out so incredibly well as he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. So they'll lean on him. The thing about it is, like, there's not a certain, uh, there's not a certain type that he has to have. Uh, there's some people that are speculating. You try and try and draw these lines here, but like he's gone from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert to Jalen Hurts which is about as wide of a range of age and experience and athleticism and everything you can possibly think of. So it's really going to come down to just the evaluations of that guy uh, when they meet with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, Will Levis and Nancy Richardson in the interviews, uh, talk through football, have them draw up plays on the whiteboard, watch them throw up pro days, and then go through the film. And he's coming into it much more fresh than these guys they have in the building who've scouted it for an entire year plus at this point. So this tends to be more of a general manager's decision because the front office puts a lot more just sheer hours into studying these players than the coach does. And there is this trust factor of, I think they believe that they can get whoever they feel like is the best option that they can get. They believe they can give him to Shane Steichen and that he'll have success with them because he's done that with such different quarterbacks before. So I think he'll definitely have a say in it, but if we're kind of slicing it up of whose say is what, I still think, Chris Ballard's say is going to be the biggest one in that room. That's what I think, too. But the, the, the second part of my question comes from Ursay and sort of what Scott brought up a couple questions ago, that <sighs> is there any sort of animosity, you think, from an Ursay perspective that the last time that they kind of let a coach make a quarterback decision or really led the way with it, it was the Carson Wentz and Frank Reich train, and we all know how that turned out. Yeah, probably a little bit of that from Mercy's perspective, but it's worth understanding how different situation is. The problem with, uh, you know, the problem with the Wentz situation was that, you know, Frank Reich had a personal bond with Carson Wentz. It was not going to really judge that objectively. It was unfair to ask him to judge that objectively versus a whole field of other options he didn't know. And that was coming off. He had recommended Philip Rivers the year before. That worked out pretty well. They were riding some of that train. But the difference is that, like, Philip Rivers was incredibly established. He very much predictable as to what he would be and what he would not be. And uh, Carson Wentz, his, his, you know, he had gone all over the map with uh, successes and failures and struggles. And uh, but they were getting him at his low point. There were so many red flags they overlooked because they want because they had a coach who wanted to believe in him and they were willing to delegate to that coach. So it's just a different situation than. Uh, when Shane will meet for the very first time with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and doesn't have any of that sort of 
uh, connection in the past. But, you know, I do think that maybe there's a lesson there that, that Ursay, you know, doesn't want to lean too much on the coach. And that should be a lesson for Chris Ballard, really, is that, you know, at some point you have to be the one to make that decision and not always pass it over to the coach and then just hope that he has the right answers, too. Talking with Nate Atkins, the Indianapolis Star, Colts beat reporter. Nate, beyond the coach now and the quarterback, what are those holes that you're giving the most attention to moving forward? Because there's obviously a lot of them. You can, you need weapons. You want to sh- shore up that offensive line. And then you also got to fill out a coaching staff. I think the first order of business for them beyond the quarterback is going to be offensive line because – Chris Ballard's made it clear that's where he's always going to invest money in. He's not going to back off of that just because it didn't work for a year. And so you want to return on investment for the money there, also the money they're going to spend to Jonathan Taylor when they extend him, likely this offseason. And then it's that's how you get a rookie quarterback comfortable. Is you want Shane Steichen to have the chance to really work through mechanics and footwork and uh, in routes and timing and chemistry with the receivers and not have to worry as much about uh, pressure that, it kind of comes out of nowhere, which is all of what happened last season. So it's it's interesting because I don't I, I don't suggest that they're going to blow up this offensive line. I think it's quite likely they'll have at least three starters back, maybe four. But they have to rewire they have to rewire the coaching staff for it. You know, completely different approach and blocking scheme. They need uh, and at least need at least a right guard to start there. They need a lot more depth there. And then they need options. They need an option of left tackle if Bernard Ryman doesn't work out. So I think that's going to be the first step. And then eventually at some point they're going to have to have a conversation about how much they want to invest in the weapons because that's the biggest difference between uh, the way that Shane Steichen's always had offenses and what uh, you know what the Colts have is he's had these high, high investments in offensive skill players, and uh, that's just not been the Colts' way yet. So, but I think that's going to be more of a you know, second-layer la- second evolution uh, step in this whole thing i would agree with that right now you get a, you gotta get that fundamental layer down pat and get those key players before you go chase after maybe those weapons that they have not been in on before you brought up the offensive line so i'll stay right there because i i haven't heard the overall feel just in terms of what went wrong this season when you were talking to guys during exit interviews and and obviously there was a lot of change and inconsistencies and lack of continuity but what was nate the overriding theme from that offensive line about where they struggled why that was and where they can improve upon going towards next season life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, I think with that group, it starts with the construction that they had for it where they wanted to have a left tackle and a right guard in uh, Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter, who had never played those positions before, pretty much never played them at any level. Uh, Matt Pryor had one game as a left tackle and Danny Pinter had just practiced a few games at right guard. And they, they only, they set them free there and then they didn't have any backup plans for them. And so I think they overrated a little bit of some of the other pieces. Uh, maybe didn't bake in the downside of you know, Ryan Kelly getting a little bit older. But really it goes back to those two positions were just such massive holes without 
any kind of alternative that it, it ended up sinking the, the skill of the other guys around them. Uh, they did, and then they just didn't have the, the blocking and the other aspects of it. They didn't have, you know, losing Jack Doyle was a tremendous loss for the run game, especially uh, he's almost like a sixth offensive lineman uh, with the amount that they put on his plate and how much he was able to do. That was a massive drop off. They just they didn't go out and and really get anything proven at any of those three spots, whether it's left tackle, right guard, and tight end, to answer that. And then they couldn't overcome it, and, and it just sort of exposed. You know, they just they, they didn't level up enough in the coaching either. Where, uh, you know, when Chris Strasser had gotten here was when they had Anthony Costanzo. Ryan Kelly was in his prime. This was a super talented line, and. Uh, just over time, it just it got a little bit worse, and, and they weren't when the group struggled. They weren't able to get it uh, back in a positive mindset, positive work environment, and it's almost like they they just became the worst versions of themselves together and dragged the whole thing down. This is offensive lines work this way in this league. They either sink or swim together because they're so connected, because they're really working in a silo away from the rest of the positions that touch the ball, and so this was sort of the bottoming out of that whole group. And so that's where I think they, it, it's not a, you, know, you you change one thing like the system, the blocking scheme and the coaching, and you can see some dramatic changes over time, just in the list of everybody collectively. And I think that's what they got to be hoping for. It's Nate Atkins with us from the Indianapolis star. Nate, I wanted to get your take on something that a lot of folks have commented about, and that's Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone being inside the press conference in the building with Shane Steichen. Is that a good sign or a good enough sign, that is, to you, that they're going to be back, both of them? I think it's an encouraging sign. I wouldn't take it as a guarantee yet. There are a lot of staffers there. Pretty much the whole defensive staff is there, That and there's almost no one on the offensive staff. But you're seeing the offensive staff. You know, just today, Parks Frazier took a job in Carolina. That It's kind of easy to see that there is some connection there between who's likely to stay and likely to go. Uh, but, you know, they haven't hammered that all out at every position. But I would just be very surprised if he doesn't – if Shane Steichen doesn't keep Ventrone and Bradley just because the nature of the timing of taking over this late after Super Bowl to build a staff, being a first-time head coach, not having as many of those connections – especially the special teams level. I, I've had a hard time finding anybody Shane has worked with that seems like, you know, someone you could consider replacing Bubba Ventrone with. And then the fact that Shane worked with Gus Bradley and his top two assistants in with the Chargers, and, and they got along well there, and they, they, they connected pretty well there. And it, it just makes a lot of sense when those two units were pretty pretty solid this year. At least they weren't the problem with the team, and you could see them kind of having some upside. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for a first-time head coach who comes from offense to keep those guys so he can just dive in even more, throw his full weight behind the offense because that's going to be the big question mark with a rookie quarterback. Talking with Nate Atkins of the Indianapolis Star. Nate, uh, to go back to Shane Steichen and his introductory press conference, it seemed like, and no surprise here is one, in a good way, maybe a little bit uncomfortable with those optics for him, or not the optics, but that that moment, right? You're speaking to 75 people. This is a, a new normal for him, um, addressing a lot of people and being kind of a spokesman for the team. But he also seemed to bring in a new attitude, maybe a more harsher, uh, tougher, accountable uh, type attitude. How much do you think that was part of something the Colts valued throughout this process? They definitely valued it. I think that came even more from uh, from Jim Irsay, and there was some 
motivations from players too to get a little bit more of a little bit more of that accountability. And when I say that, I'm talking about the entire coaching staff. Is that when Frank Reich first got here, uh, they, they had a lot of that. They had a balance of that. Even though Frank Reich is not really your fire and brimstone coach, he had Nick Sirianni on his staff who is that way, and it sort of balanced itself out: the good cops and the bad cops. When Sirianni left for Philadelphia, that just sort of this started to trickle away a little bit. Uh, and so they wanted a little bit more of that. That was really the whole appeal of bringing Jeff Saturday in in the first place was this idea of this former player who would uh, really get in guys' faces. And he did some of that, you know, but obviously didn't have the rest of the picture there. So Shane Steichen was a little bit more of a compromise between those two where you have the experience coaching. He's done this for 13 years. He's been a coordinator. He's been in the Super Bowl, all that stuff, but also – a little bit more of that style, that cutting style. He's done that. He showed that in the interviews, a little bit more intensity, which, again, I think you can have on any level of your staff. But if it became important to them, like it did to Jim Mercer, it made some sense to get it at the head coach level because then a team isn't hiring it away the way that the Eagles did with Nick Sirianni. It's, it's there kind of all the time. And that's certainly what he's going to try to bring here. Again, it's, it's a wild card. We've never seen him in that role where he's trying to be that for an entire team, both sides of the ball, special teams as well, and you know an entire coaching staff. So it is, well, it's going to challenge some of that potential in him, but he definitely was able to show that in the interviews. It's a big reason he stood out over some of the other candidates. Nate, my thought during the Super Bowl, especially watching the Chiefs win it, and again, Steichen matching up against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, is that you know the Chiefs is in Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard's mind, that's where the Colts should be years after making this hire. I mean, that's where you're going to have to be. You're going to have to beat a Mahomes. You're going to have to beat a Josh Allen. You're going to have to beat a Justin Herbert if you want to get to your goal of winning a Super Bowl. So I guess in the grand scheme of things, how far away, and I realize the quarterback is a big piece to getting there, but how far away in your mind are the Colts truly from being to the level of a Kansas City, which is a bit ironic to ask considering they beat them this year, but how far away <laughs> is that roster from getting close to that? Yeah, if you think about it, the Colts won four games this year and the Chiefs won 14. And I'd say the real the answer to that is between those two. They're better than what they showed last year. They're still a clear step behind Kansas City. And the main reason is, like you said, quarterback, but also just the establishment of that system where you have – Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have been doing the same roles for the past four years, every year or five years now, every year with Patrick Mahomes, and it's built and it's built and it's built to a level where you know they can pay Patrick Mahomes, they can trade away Tyree Kill, and they can still win the Super Bowl. They're able to sort of absorb losses and get even better. Whereas for the Colts, you know any any you know any loss of a Jonathan Taylor or Shaquille Leonard just kind of ripped apart their team. So this team has talent. This team just a year ago led the league in pro bowlers, led the league in all pro players, and had some impressive games where they, you know, destroyed the Bills and beat the Patriots and Cardinals. But, you know, there's a there's a floor to them too. We saw that last year with the Jacksonville loss. And then obviously this year it came out plenty of times where there's just certain positions where they, either the depth isn't there or it's too premium of a position to be taking a risk like quarterback and left tackle that those can kind of sink everything else that's around them. So I think there's potential for them to get this on track if they get the right quarterback, because I do think there's a world where their defense and special teams are both top 10 units, which is obviously a big step forward. But again, that's what they were a couple of years ago, and they ended up 9-8 and eight because they didn't have that passing game. So I think they're probably a year or two off really talking any kind of you know real playoff contender type, but um, – 
But you never know because at the same time, the Eagles a couple of years ago, you know, they were kind of in the same spot. It, you know, they were coming off a 2020 season of just complete and utter disaster, hired a first-time head coach, didn't know who their quarterback was going to be really. And then here they are. They're just a couple of plays away from winning the Super Bowl and won 14 games and two playoff games. So it can change quickly. You just need a, a million different things to go in your direction, but they have to nail quarterback, left tackle, head coach. They think they've got the start of that, but you know they're a long way off from having the full picture. Nate, it's been a busy week for you. Appreciate you making some time for us here this afternoon. Yep, thanks, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Nate. It's Nate Atkins of the Indianapolis Star. Busy week for him.